I just spent the last one and a half hour with Rohan Joshi, and we spoke about his journey from AIB to comedy, the hard work that goes behind comedy, right? The scripts, the notepads, embarrassing moments, uh, you know, stories behind AIB, and you know, the AIB YouTube roast. How one link, you know, one thing led to another, and how one open mic led to you know him becoming a comedian. We also had a very a uh, spirited discussion on manifestation hustle and grind we spoke about hobbies love for coffee uh, how do you deal with midlife crisis uh, you know and how he became a cat person or supposed to become a cat person and so many other things uh, do not miss this episode is one of the funniest ones i've done uh, me and the entire team that were shooting were in splits throughout the episode so do not miss this one i'll see you guys on the inside rohan the way we met was such a coincidence complete coincidence unique coincidence unique in my co- life <laughs> At a random food launch, actually not random. It's your yes, friend of yes, ours. Yeah, really. Call it random. random. Like our friend is going to watch and be like random. I'm not random. The friend's food launch. My okay. our friend's food launch. Our friend's food launch, and we were sitting there. Which is Evo Shada, uh, who's yeah. a dear friend. Sorry, called you random. Sh- and yeah, so sorry, I called you random. Shada. Yeah, but, I want to say I didn't Shada. He called you random. I had nothing to do with this. I was hurt on your behalf. <laughs> Um, and let's just say we met at this food launch, and then we had what one can only describe as too much beer. for a tuesday night all right for two people who have like gray in their beard and you know have responsibilities just what can we describe as too much beer and i know this because we were having polite conversation until at one point okay and i'm sorry if i'm spilling secrets here or cut it later at one point across the table all right my eyes meet ashwin's eyes and he looks at me and he says well <laughs> right? I'm, i'm not making this up this is the actual thing and he is like at which point i'm like i'm going to get along with this guy <laughs> so we were the oldest people at that launch yes, and, and uh, yeah you're swaying the, yeah that was some good stuff and uh, so unfortunately we've not been able to catch up too many hey, yeah, too many this thing but the i think the last time we were supposed to catch up hmm. we were supposed to meet and there was whole sushi party planned yes and the day before i was like hey covid has happened <laughs> happened to me so are you okay i'm like no i'm not yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. true also yeah yeah uh, so your journey is very unique okay. i think uh, everyone knows your journey from aib to comedy and i'm very sure that's you know there has a lot of ups and downs a lot of funny stories mm-hmm. tell me at least two things which are maybe unique in that journey that some people may not know two things that are unique that some people may not know about hmm. okay um i think one is like just so one thing that i think a lot of people sort of couldn't understand like where we came from in hmm. the sense that like you know whether this is when we did the roast or when we did like a, a video with sort of alia bhat that became really popular uh It was one of those things where people are like, "Are these guys really just having fun for the sake of having fun?" Like when, the, especially I remember when the Alia Bhatt video came out, right? There was so much. It was hilarious to me because people were theorizing on the level of Karan Johar has funded this, <laughs> to Dharma Films has funded this, to this is Alia's PR team, etc. And and the thing that was hilarious to me about that specifically is if I could take people back in time, hmm. all right, to that moment, it is literally the four of us sitting on one bed. in tanmay's bedroom <laughs> all right like doing one shivsagar order of idlis and trying to bang out this sketch and get it done at that so i think one thing people don't realize is how much of it was just for exhausted 20 somethings just high on coffee working out of one for a long time like just working out of a bedroom and how much of it was just um in the back held together with 
tape glue and prayer essentially right i think a lot of people sometimes on the outside they don't see it uh, that was definitely one thing uh and i think the other another thing that was sort of unique that maybe people don't know um what else is unique oh yeah our first office uh was the classic rite of passage uh, mumbai varsova entertainment business nice office right because you know how can you not if you're in the entertainment business in you not start from the varsova aramnagar side of things and um uh, I, i don't know if this is unique or whether people want to know but it's just let's just say that we got that office and we were really excited and mm. then we moved in mm. and on day 3 we realized that this is the house that has the most cockroaches in mumbai right <laughs> <laughs> like literally you couldn't look in a corner without a cockroach coming out and i am deathly afraid of cockroaches so there was this one time where mm. i had to go to the this is a great story mm. uh, for comedy i had to go to the loo and i walked in and i saw a cockroach and then i just held it all right <laughs> just... and i say i say this with a mixture of pride and shame that our first office i've never taken a dump in because i was just like cockroach <laughs> kahan se bhi aa jayega and i can't be caught like you know mid dump like if this cockroach can't be ready to fight so um yeah i've never be, i've never taken a dump and i've done considerable digestive damage to myself <laughs> holding it over 16 hour work days but um yeah so what i'm trying to say is narayan murthy be proud <laughs> all right 16 hour work 16 days hour work no days. party no nothing but i stayed the course sir <laughs> please be proud of me i am very sure a lot of people are proud of that uh many people think when they think of comedy they think it's somebody just gets on stage and starts talking it's just yeah. you know completely yeah. off the cuff yeah. i don't think they understand the hard work that goes behind so how much hard work does go behind stand up a decent amount of it mm. a decent amount of hard work goes behind it though in a way i think one of the joys of working in this medium and i think any comedian will agree is mm. it is the highest compliment for people to think that you just get up there and you do it because that means that whatever you're doing looks effortless right where and and you're right because i've been doing this for a decade and people still come up like hmm. like so you just get on stage and start hmm. talking like no it's it's exactly like part of our craft is that this is mugged hmm. but it is now up to me to make sure that you don't think this is mugged right like i can i can tell you that i have seen performers where um every little just simple eye twitch that seems like it came off the cuff was actually collaborated nice down to like that. and there are other people who are genuinely great hmm. off the cuff hmm. but i think i think the truth is sort of somewhere closer in the middle i think hmm. what what happens is you sort of go in there with a script and hmm. an idea hmm. uh the the best comedians i know work really hard on their material before they ever get on stage right and this is one of my sort of favorite instructive things to tell us everybody knows one of the biggest comedians from the country is vidas right and the thing that whenever i'm talking to young comics or when i do just comedy workshops the thing i try to explain to them is even a guy like him who makes who's got like a rock star strut right when he's on stage and you think that this guy is the coolest he doesn't have to work at this at all but i've seen him literally walk into the office at 11 o'clock at night when everybody's left just so he can stand there with the first draft of his script and a hairbrush in his hand to just sort of get comfortable with it oh, wow. like just saying it to himself again and again uh so there's a ton of work there's a ton of work in the writing department when mm-hmm. you write you rewrite you test it fails uh there's a ton of work that happens in the performance department mm-hmm. whether that's you know something like a veer or other comics too where you just first have to sit there and practice mm-hmm. it to yourself until the words don't sound funny in your mouth to getting to this whole other stage where now you're working on little nuances of performance like one of my favorite things to do sometimes is you see somebody's 
first show of something hmm. and then you go back and you see their 30th show of the same thing and the difference is chalk and cheese right you see the evolution like it's essentially been beaten into shape nice over successive iterations that's part of the reason that comedians tour so much hmm. before they record especially as one yeah you want to sell tickets make money etc all of that but all of that is an act of perfecting the show until it gets to a point where you're either like hey now i can do this in my sleep hmm. right where you could wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and push me on stage and i'd be able to like do this hmm. for 90 minutes without hmm. missing a beat hmm. and then you also just you want the material to evolve over the course if your show looks the same as it did like on day 1 hmm. and it does on day 100 hmm. somewhere i failed in putting in the work if it looks the same it means that i got complacent uh there's a lot of work there's a lot of work in the writing there's a lot of work in the performing it's a tough life in terms of especially if you're a touring comic mm. that's something that i've gotten older i've slowed down on mm. but you see young comics touring and it it's tough right when you have to do a 5 am flight to nagpur and yeah, then but... the next day you know there's another 6 am flight to chandigarh and then from chandigarh on the third day or like going all the way down mangalore manipal wow. it it's 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 long it's tiring the hours are weird it's an emotionally intense job because you can go from like crazy highs on stage to an empty hotel room an hour later oh. to a good show to a bad show to all of that so it's quite a trip it it's just the only thing i like to assure people is that i know it looks like it's all fun and games uh but we do also occasionally wake up in the morning and spend time like doing focused activity uh the 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 blank page and the blinking cursor our greatest enemy uh it's always there we 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 are a unique sort of breed of people who I think any comedian you go and ask and you say show me the notes section of your phone all right you will find so many random entries that were written at 2:30 in the morning because while you're sleeping suddenly an amazing idea has come but like I don't want to break my sleep also so you just write it out in like one sentence and put it away and then the next morning it's like what fish bicycle what was i even thinking like about that so yeah no but short version it's hard work but it's there's a lot of jobs that have hard work in this world this is one of the more entertaining ones <laughs> Hey, yeah. uh, and I think is a uh, from what I understand is the person's reaction or the audience reaction. Mm-hmm. Do you take that into account, and do you kind of make a mental note like, hey, with this kind of audience, this joke worked better. Okay, this kind of audience, this joke didn't work. Better. Like, oh, is that something absolutely. that's constantly happening in your mind, or is it like this? My material, I'm going to go deliver mm-hmm. it. whether they like it or not <laughs> i i think i've seen again comedians can have both attitudes about mm. it you can mm. choose to be belligerent about it and be mm. like i'm just going to say this mm. and i'm going to say this but the i've just sort of reached this place now where i'm like look if if these people have sort of bought a ticket and they want to have a good time it's my job to at the very least meet them halfway right because also what is the point of going up there for an hour and talking to people are looking at you blankly yeah. you failed they everybody's failed right so i think what happens is as as you sort of spend time in the business like one thing like again with professional comics i've seen is that the best comics they we have jokes that act as sensors hmm. uh-huh. essentially nice. right you have a couple of jokes up top hmm. where you hear the laughter and the response to those jokes and that gives you an idea of what your audience might or might not be comfortable with if there's a certain thing you they don't laugh at you know that man they're definitely not going to laugh at when i go even darker on this so when i go even more controversial you're like okay maybe I'll take it in this space, or maybe I'll introduce that thought hmm. differently. And then the other people who you can tell from minute one are up for it, so you can get onto the accelerator straight. So we have things like that in terms of do we take laughter into account? Yeah, absolutely. That's in the dope. sense, it's also I don't think a lot of people think about this, but this is the only art form, hmm. and I mean literally the only art form where like there's a call and response that's very important. 
like as a musician i can get on stage and i can play for 2 hours and if nobody listens also no my band and i will have the best time and leave but as a comedian it's a very strange thing to think about the fact that today if you're in the audience mm. your laughter is actually a really important part of my vocabulary like when i'm writing something on stage because it's sometimes there's physically no way to move on to the next thing hmm. unless you've laughed to the point where if you watch again like great comedy specials there's points where you can tell that the comic knows that this big joke or this applause break is probably the first time in the set he's going to get 20 seconds to drink water without it becoming like silence or this so even things like that matter you have to start planning just okay like what's the graph of the show okay here i am mm. probably going to need a sip of water mm. or here's where we need to slow it down or you know here's where we need to go bang 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 then once we got them in the palm of our hands mm. we can now take our times with slightly slower setups and you know if we want to make a larger point because mm. now they trust me that i'm funny etc so yeah there's a lot of like in any job there's an inherent we have our own version of excel sheet understanding <laughs> uh, of things so yeah i think that the laughter thing is extremely important um so one thing i always wonder is does a comedian know his entire set like if it's a one hour set like back of his mind or is it when you go to drink water the small shit which is like the next cue it it's for... usually both okay it it's usually both you ideally know your whole set okay right uh, because you don't want to be in a situation where because you can't you don't know what venue you're performing at mm. will you get to put a cheat sheet etc mm. but also a lot of times what comics will have just to be safe is on stage in front of them sometimes maybe a dead monitor mm. which just has keywords stuck onto it Correct. so if nothing you just know the order mm. so you're just writing like this 10 words written so you know what your 10 premises are Correct. you don't have unless of course we're doing trial shows or mm. we're trying new material mm. in which case we advertise them as such and mm. that's the other beauty of the uh, profession is mm. we literally will sometimes take our notebooks on stage with us <laughs> and we'll be like look this is a new material night or no i'm just testing it. it and i'm not just talking about us i've seen like the biggest comedians like i've seen ray romano mm. do this like when in new york he was trying new material so even he had like a little notebook with him oh wow because you're trying new material you're literally <laughs> building it on the spot i've seen comics try new material do a joke and then make a note in their notebook like whether this worked or didn't work or okay this is done that's brilliant etc so it's actually like in in a way trial shows are really fun to watch because uh, they're cheap you get to see the material when it's rough mm-hmm. uh, you get to see the comics have sort of more riffing mm. fun on stage so yeah we know our scripts mm. but again the way it works is you know your script but you've got to be ready to occasionally deviate for the occasion like mm. what happens if somebody has a strange laugh mm. what happens if somebody loudly drops something in the middle of a show what happens if somebody's phone rings or you know somebody suddenly shouts mm. at somebody else in the audience like everything you just got to be ready to so it's sort of like have a plan mm. but um, have a plan for when the plan fails also like in the sense is that sort of and thing and what i've seen is a lot of good comedians they will use these weird things yeah. and they will like jump on it they'll call it out 100%. rather than trying to shush it 100% like somebody has a weird laugh or somebody just like boo like they know how to handle it like just because that's the difference between i'm just doing my set versus huh. i'm here with you guys right like this is like how is this show different from yesterday's show which mm. is different from this thing mm. right it's only the audience that can make it different mm. if i'm doing my whole set mm. then the little differences and flavors will only come from the fact that oh there was this one strange person in the audience or that's how it sort of makes it specific to mm. the moment that you're in and it has the audience leaving the show going you know what yeah i saw his material i saw his set but i saw a version of the show that no one else will get because this little specific interaction could only happen 
here. with people in our audience or like over here. So yeah, I think it's it's both those things. So is it true that the first couple of seats are normally the splash zone where you will kind of you know last at, like you know, or is it very it's, comedian specific or is it a... no? You have to be like some comics will do it, some comics won't. Huh. But if you are in the first row hmm. or the first two rows. You can't be shocked <laughs> that if you play. get picked on, right? Like it's like it's one of those things where it's like if you're at the Pamplona bull run, you can't be surprised if you get like gored <laughs> by a bull. You did sign up for the bull run, so it's sort of like that. Where if 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 you're in a place where um, my stage lighting can see you also, mm-hmm. uh, then there is a chance that we're going to talk. It's entirely possible that we won't, mm. but you can't be shocked that it happens. Like you can't be like no 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 <laughs> don't don't talk <laughs> yeah that's what is uh what is one of your most embarrassing moments in stand up comedy oh wow there are so many I was um, about, I, I knew you were going to say there, there are so many. but I think actually my most embarrassing moment is actually happened very early on in my career it was like the second or third show I was ever doing I'd only done like a two three minute open mic and uh, a person I knew. invited me to do 5 minutes at what they called a corporate hmm. what what i was told was a corporate show at that time i didn't realize this then um i'm told the show is at blue frog so i'm like oh hey you know blue frog i'm sure it'll be a great show and then i'm told that you know actually it's like the sort of indian dj awards so it's it's going to be like man high profile event that's crazy blue frog indian dj awards should be amazing what time is it and he says 4 pm PM तो कौन सा अवार्ड शो होता है मतलब ब्लू फ्रॉक फोर पी एम मतलब ये कैसे हो सकता है हमें ठीक है जाते देन आई गो इन देर आई एन ब्लू फ्रॉक एट द डोर ओनली द गार्ड स्टॉप्स मी एंड ईज लाइक फुलफॉर्मिंग लुकिंग एट मी सो स्ट्रेंज लाइक आई यू श्योर यू आर परफॉर्मिंग I am performing tonight. Then I see the board behind him. Okay, the actual main act that night is Infected Mushroom. Okay, <laughs> who's playing at nine o'clock? Which is why the awards are at four o'clock. Because eight o'clock stage Infected Mushroom को देना है, ठीक है? इसको बस चार बजे से आठ बजे मिला है, ठीक है? ये stage. फिर पता चलता है it's not the Indian DJ award. It's Pepsi My Fave DJ dot in, where DJs are voted by audience online. Okay, I'm like okay. ठीक है देन आई एंटर देन आई बाय द वे वन स्मॉल रिक्वेस्ट मेक ऑल योर जोक्स अबाउट डीजेस आई एम लाइक यार ये पहले बोलना था इसमें सेकंड शो अब क्या करूं मैं ठीक है देन आई गो ऑन स्टेज एंड आई सी दैट द होल स्टेज हैज ऑलरेडी बीन सेट अप फॉर इन्फेक्टेड मशरूम सो देयर इज ओनली द फर्स्ट थर्ड ऑफ द स्टेज टू यूज सो आई एम स्टैंडिंग लाइक दैट ओके एंड आई एम लाइक आई डोंट नो हाउ आई वांट टू डू दिस शो देन आई टेल हिम हे लुक You have a lot of like cool music acts performing, so put me on first. Hmm. Because once like a high energy music act happens, no one is gonna want to see hmm. comedy. Hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. There's only one act before you. Okay, there'll be one act, then there'll be one award, then hmm. there'll be you. Okay, hmm. I'm like cool. Who is that act? Boxy Turvey, one of the greatest beatboxing acts. And they're like beatboxing like Fat Boy Slim, and all the audience is like, I'm like, इसके बाद मैं जाके जोक कैसे सुनाऊँ? ठीक है? ठीक <laughs> 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 Takes a trophy. So that guy, that 
gives it to the other guy now audience start booing <laughs> okay because obviously this is happening and you're next and now he's like ja <laughs> joke suna <laughs> and I get up there and i die for 5 minutes straight okay and that was the time in my life where i realized 5 minutes can be a very long time okay <laughs> when you're alone on a stage staring into blackness right and no one is laughing and people are booing and shit oh like, god well and literally i was like you know what this was a good hobby for 2 weeks ab ho gaya matlab done done ho gaya apna and i still remember the hollow silence okay like in the sense that if i had to like in my personal dictionary what is under the word shame it's those 5 minutes of that specific 5 minute period of my life oh god i still remember to date mm. i finished i was on stage mm. i said thank you very much i started walking mm. off stage mm. i handed the mic to the host i got off stage i never stopped walking in that same grip i picked up my bag and gone out i have no no i have stopped walking once i'm inside a taxi and on my way home <laughs> straight okay that is the point at which i'm just like i, I think don't want to i've reached home at 7:30 in the evening and i only time in my life i can say this i have reached home at 7:30 in the evening <laughs> gone to my bedroom just pulled the chadar over and i'm like i need it to be tomorrow now good night like my mom thought my mom thought ke bhai ye bimar hai and i'm like nahi bas i'm just i'm dying not of illness just of shame yeah, yeah so that uh, was the point where my career almost ended oh wow but the good thing is i got that pain out of the way so early hmm. that i'm like now what else can be so humiliating right for 5 minutes i've stood alone with no one laughing after the wrong award was given to the wrong act Like no uh, humiliation. So everything else happened. I'm like, हाँ ठीक है, ठीक है, ठीक है. What inspired you guys to start AIB? Like, what was that? Like, when did you all come up with the idea? क्या ये करते हैं? So it was. Uh, so one is we were all sort of working together mm. and doing shows together mm. because we were all on lineups together. There mm. were only four or five of us, mm. and we were all on lineups together and we were on social media together. So at one point, basically, uh, Tanmay Khamba. uh they were doing the podcast already hmm. the two of them and then the four of us knew each other so we just sort of had this chat where we were like i know that from twitter i can bring 20 people to hmm. buy tickets for a show you can bring 20 you can bring 20 you can bring 20 bro we can have an 80 to 100 person audience for our show that's crazy okay and 2010 2011 that was like hmm. yeah crazy and i still remember a bar called wild wild west where fun republic andheri mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right where we did our first show sort of as aib live mm-hmm. and yeah it was like 115 people in the audience nice which for us was like this is crazy mm-hmm. and we had a great time doing it at which point we were like hey this is just a thing we should always do and then we did that sort of for a year mm-hmm. and we were record at that point we were pretty much only recording podcasts mm-hmm. and performing live mm-hmm. at which point a friend of ours anchal from youtube hmm. uh and i think it cannot be understated how important uh anchal is just in general to if you want to be thankful for just the youtube ecosystem as it is in india like you got to put respect on anchal's name Done. i think she's now with google in america but hmm. at the time uh she came to us and she's like you know youtube is just we're just starting to sort of get into the idea of people in india creating their own content and nice. having youtube channels like nice. it's something that's happening in america mm. so um you know we'd like to just help you a little bit with mm. that mm. at the start um no pressure just here's a little bit of seed money to make videos mm. if you don't enjoy the process mm. once the seed money is over we shake hands mm. go away you just mm. make a couple of videos try mm. it 
एंड तब अपना वी हैड दिस फुल लाइक ईगो ऑफ लाइक नहीं हम तो स्टेज आर्टिस्ट है हमारे और ऑडियंस के बीच में दीवार कैसे हो सकती है लिटरली लाइक दैट इज हैपनिंग ओके एंड देन वी मेक लाइक थ्री यूट्यूब वीडियोज अगेर आ फर्स्ट टेस्ट ऑफ लाइक रियल वायरलिटी एंड वे लाइक नहीं दीवार हो सकता है नो प्रॉब्लम नो प्रॉब्लम बहुत मजा आ रहा है बहुत मजा आ रहा है बहुत मजा यस यस गिव मी दैट वॉज आर फर्स्ट इंटरक्शन विथ द आइडिया ऑफ लाइक्स एज अ डोपमीन ड्रग एंड यू नो दस नेवर एनी टर्निंग बैक फ्रॉम देयर so that's when that so i think like sort of somewhere between the end of 2012 mm. and early 2013 mm. sort of is when we went okay this is this is something that is going to occupy our near future in a big way is when we realized that what was the one moment in during aib that you all felt you know what we were right i think the roast would definitely be one i think uh, before that so the mul- The thing is, there were multiple little little mm, ones mm, for us, mm. right? So there was the first video we did that actually got like a lot of traction. Was the uh, "It's My Fault" video that we did with Kalki and Juhi. Uh, I think that sort of just got us um, noticed as sort of people who are at least have a idea of what's going on in the country. Then I think the the video that we did with Alia, Genius of the Year. I think that was again one that really sort of put us on the map, just mm. on the basis of. it again like i said and we were talking earlier my favorite thing about the video is it confused the shit out of people I'm like just what is the purpose of this right aside from the fact that yes everybody thinks like you know alia dumb because she made those comments or whatever <laughs> what is who has funded this who has made this what movie is this promoting what is this this thing they're right? trying to and figure it out they were trying to figure it out and our entire thing is just like you know what no we've grown up watching snl funny or die mm. or whatever so it just be great to see mm. and again it was this sort of first time like Like credit again where it's due, right? The sort of generation that has people like Alia or Varun Dhawan or any of these younger, they're way more just open to the idea because they've also grown up with the internet. Right? These are all people that are not like bound by boomer ideas. So it it was a real pleasant surprise to us also how easy it was some of these conversations, mm-hmm. right? Because you just have to show them one YouTube video or one reference and mm-hmm. they're like, we get it. And then I think obviously there was the roast, mm-hmm. which I mean put us on. a map or two that i don't even mind not being on uh, <laughs> but um i think overall if i had to say proudest moment in terms of impact mm. was when uh, we managed to do the net neutrality trai construction uh, not what am i saying so i'm going to take that again uh, i think the proudest sort of moment was when we sort of managed to get in on the net neutrality mm. a uh, debate mm. when the save the internet thing was happening and mm. trai was open to consultation mm. and the guys from the internet freedom foundation or save the internet at the time got in touch with us saying that you know trai is soliciting like a public consultation can you just get the word out nice. and we essentially literally on the basis of that information like bang that video out in a couple of days because it was time bound because mm. we needed and we were like you know what if if we can get like a couple of 100 people to sort of send <laughs> an email couple of, yeah. of literally at that point we got a couple of 100 people you know to send an email that will be awesome and then we woke up the next morning and we basically found out that we'd all but crashed their inbox and i think that for me the reason it was such a big moment is just that was the first time i felt like you know what it is possible as a citizen or as an entertainer and anybody to just and it's not about like let's not use dramatic words like change or reform or whatever but just to move the needle mm. Like that, it is possible in some way, shape, or form to be a active citizenry mm. and b <coughs> the power of this medium. 
this completely democratic like user generated content medium where mm. no one else would have let us put out a 3 minute video mm. where we tell people to send emails against these powerful corporations right that are like true this thing and that we got to do it so that for me was because it 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 still breaks my brain on some level mm. that we made this video and we mm. put it out there and a few days later like tra and the cell companies had to acknowledge that now this is a thing that people were aware of and would take issue with if they did so i was like hey this is like you know the needle like, terrifying and you know all of those things mm-hmm. but it's just yeah, it's something that i still think about like with a lot of sort of mixed emotions because i was like oh wow okay you can engage with actual policy in our country in a way that means something and that was nice like i really enjoyed so that so the moment you figure that out it hmm. is such a powerful thought and uh, like i remember having a similar insight about a decade ago uh that time there was a new body in the food space it was called fssai it basically governs yes. food safety yes and it was it was literally being formed that time and uh, just about that time i heard a story uh that uh, uh, when dirubambani was on his deathbed the story i don't know how true it is the story went that when he was on his deathbed he called both his sons and he told them i never want you to break any rules but keep in mind that rules can be changed now when i heard this i was like one sec i know food in india needs upgradation food yeah. safety in india needs upgradation i know we have the knowledge we have the capability so i started working with them at that stage and i was able to make so many policy level changes to bring india to where we are today yeah, in terms yeah, of food yeah. safety 20 years ago and today is a vast difference 100% like today people when they come from abroad they don't feel like and i'll tell you my personal incident like one of my friends who had come from uni uh when he came here he refused to eat food at home he refused to have home water he only ate in five stars and only drank aquafina that's it nothing else like he'll not yeah. eat anywhere else i'm like classic. this is very classic i'm like yeah this is not done like yeah, i, I yeah. want to be able to do something about this right and but the minute i realized that if you take the time to actually engage with government mm-hmm. with policy yeah, yeah. you are actually able to do something even a single person can 100%. do something obviously 100%. you can have a lot of people together and come no, and also something. today like at the end of the day let's also acknowledge like and i don't use responsibility mm. but today people like you and me just by virtue of being and let's face it we are 0.1%ers that live today mm. we are on like the 60th floor of a building in mumbai right like in the sense no like <laughs> bluntly we are by accident or by design closer to the nerve centers of power than a lot of people will get to be right so if we have a way to engage then we should right like it's a great privilege, privilege to be given and i think way, right? as you as you also meant it's literally our responsibility if we don't do it who else will correct right and today if somebody saying but today as 0.1%ers let's face it right today you can make calls that 99.9% of people in this country can't make you can get people on the phone that like what 99.9% of people in their lifetime wouldn't be able to imagine getting like a meeting with it right? so i think when you get that and i mean that can be like a realization in two ways it can either be a very sobering realization or it can be a very heady realization right <laughs> and now the question is which of the two like you indulge one path it's good you indulge one path it can be very dangerous uh so i think that just in general like for me every single time it just felt like i've had the good fortune mm. to just be part of a group of people mm. that essentially get to poke at the bubble of culture and see the bubble ripple in response to that right <laughs> has just it's been one of the great privileges of my which is why people are like oh, what next is what i'm like you don't understand i've already achieved 
200x of what I ever thought I was all right let's let's keep in mind that if stand up hadn't happened mm. if I hadn't gone to that open mic mm. uh, at all mm. in 2008 mm. I had graduated from college with a masters diploma in the career of the future television broadcast journalism <laughs> okay and I would have been I would have been at the desk at times now right now or or something like that or really ruining a lot of choices so I'm just I'm just always like a combination of grateful and I mean sometimes humbled and then just sometimes just in awe of the fact that everything is always one or two decisions away from Good going that. away or coming to you right True. like and so which is why I also don't understand when people are like extra this thing about you know I'm amazing or I'm like yeah are you though <laughs> right like you're good but you don't realize you're two decisions away From so all this going away, it all going away, and it won't be in your control anymore. So, so the whole, the whole six degrees of separation, I've started to realize, and I don't know if it's through degrees of separation or manifestation. If you want to meet somebody, if you want to do something, you're literally a call or two away, an email or two away, a DM or two away. Yeah. So the funniest thing was, I have this thing that I want to meet three people, and I want to spend time with three people in person. Ratan Tata, fair. Uh, Anand Mahindra, fair. and a third one was Elon Musk. Okay. Ratan Tata have found a way. Anand Mahindra have found a way. Elon Musk, I wasn't finding a way. Mm-hmm. It was just too far away, different country. I mean, so I was being actually interviewed by somebody, and at the end of it, I just la- la- just mentioned, oh, by the way, you know, I would love to meet so and so. You know, he's like, oh, I can make it happen. It's like, what? Like, yeah, you have like a four people company in Washi. Like, how can you make me meet Elon Musk? He was like, once like my brother teaches in a university in US, and Elon once in a year comes there as a visiting professor. He's like, with your credentials, I can get you there as a visiting professor during the time Elon is there. So I'll put you within a mile of him. Then yeah, last mile is your last job. Last mile you figure out. And I was like, if you ever want something, just go tell people about it. Oh, 100%. Definitely put the idea out there. It might or might not happen. But if you don't put it out there, it's definitely not going to happen. Gonna happen right? It's never going to happen. So I want to really, in India, I also want to spend time with, let's say, Kunal Shah from mm-hmm. Cred. Mm-hmm. And I, want, I really want to interview him and I want to, you know, yeah. because I just... Re- I, I, I know Kunal Shah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put you guys in touch See, if you want. That's insane. Th- yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. point. This yeah. is exactly... So I landed up mentioning this to uh, the MD of Subway. In a conversation, because the night before I met Ankur, I was telling him about Ankur. And then I said, oh, well, no, Ankur is going to be my 100th episode. And because Ankur has agreed, so I'm bringing it up again, second time Ankur. Uh, so I said, uh, you know, but my ideal guest, like somebody I really want, like Ankur, of course, I would want, but I really want Kunal Shah. He's like, oh, I know Kunal. And he put a message right in front of me and Kunal replied back saying, hey, email on this. Yeah. But he's not friends with him. I'm assuming you're friends, so please. But yeah, no, no, 100%. I'll put you in touch. Right? Yeah, so yeah, the idea sure. is you have to just start letting people know what you're working towards. Yeah. That this is in your personal life, in your professional life. And you'll be surprised how people will actually go out of their way to make it come true. Fair. Because they enjoy the process. They know. Like, for example, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not going to be a big stretch for you to introduce me to Kunal. No, no, no. Message away, WhatsApp away, maybe yeah, email away. Absolutely. But you will still do it because you also know, hey, you know what? For me, it is a big deal. For you, it was a message. But if you're able to cause this much happiness by doing one little thing. 100%. Why not? Right? 100%. Absolutely. So, I'm a huge, over the last few years, I've become a huge believer in manifestation. What are your thoughts on manifestation? I don't know. It's just. I'm not the biggest believer in it okay. in the sense that I'm I'm it it sometimes just feels a little bit like the the rich person's version of mantra to me like in the sense like like that right like rich person sort of zodiac etc whatever like mm. in the sense that I feel like like yes can you definitely like I I'm I'm more on the side of like you're definitely more likely to get something if you put the thought out there 
not into the universe so much as just into the people that you sort of know and can make it happen for you right like links in that chain but i also feel like what happens with that is it i think it's the sort of thing that works better for people that already have access to cloud capital resources etc and that's the only place where i'm very wary mm-hmm. about sort of re- like recommending things like manifestation etc is because it ignores the fact that there's a large bunch of people uh that's living so with no access to any of those things and them screaming it's not putting it out there because see there's when you have resources mm. you're putting something out into the universe mm. when you don't have resources you could just be screaming into the void and True. screaming into Very the void is not going to manifest anything right True. at the end of the day and then what's going to happen is you're going to create a feedback loop in that person's head going am i not manifesting hard is this a failing on my part right That's when it's just ignoring the fact part. that no you know what you genuinely are not in a place where you actually need a bunch of other resources to make this this happen but the problem is that the sort of and this in general is just my my worry with i feel like if like if you're somebody with resources you believe in manifestation sort of good mm. for you but i guess where i draw the line is like i get really annoyed when i see a lot of privileged people in our circle talking about it like some sort of one size fits all solution oh, no, like course. they preach it to everyone <laughs> right like yeah. in the sense this sort of linkedinification of our culture where if it's worked for me it looks like means me. it's prescriptive advice i can give with confidence True. to everyone True. irrespective of what their circumstances True. are right and that's what worries me where it's like it worked for you great but i see so many people just sort of preach it out there and then i see other people going like am i not just manifest is that person's will power stronger than mine it's like no there's other discrepancies and these things that are being ignored and papered over sometimes by words like you know manifest or you know and, and it it worries me about when when people use words like hustle or grind or things like that right because it's just especially in our country mm. i just feel like most of the people that do those things like whether it's hustling or grinding or all of those things are not thinking about it as a buzzword they're doing it because the option is do it or die True. right like i'm saying today like who is a bigger hustle culture technically who's doing more grinding hmm. than the guy who's essentially a security guard in your building during the day but is then going and falling asleep at his second job at night because that's what it takes to literally send money that is but he usko pata hai ki usko hustle ka age nahi pata usko grind set ka ji nahi pata lekin he's living it at a level like far above True. like where for you you've sort of made it like a sort of you know like, like another mantra, just badge like of cool a, yeah. right like where oh i grind i this thing like yes but you know <laughs> so a, does everyone in a way like the the i think the point whenever i talk about manifestation indian talks to me it's about finally uh, and and we started this discussion within like at equinox saying that you need to have a purpose mm-hmm. and people need to kind of know where you're going because when i started uh, equinox 18 years ago we were like a single person company sure. so we were like 1500 2000 people uh, i did not let anyone know till we were almost 100 that what was my, like what, where did i want to take equinox what did i see sure. so it was a very disjointed effort right but the minute i started telling people that hey this is what i think we can become and this is what i think the impact we can have things started changing drastically because sure. then the kind of people that gravitated towards it kind of believed in that 100%. idea and i think maybe the word manifestation somewhere got like hey, because yeah. uh, uh, robin sharma has this concept of visualization right, right. Like, yeah. visualize what you want and i remember i was in this 200 square foot office like my cabin used to be like 6 feet 5 feet i could touch both both hands the my wallpaper then was this building like a four five story building glass finish blah 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 
today that's actually a reality that's built when we inaugurated that my team one of my teammates uh, and this was almost 10 years ago they said hey what's the next thing and i just told him you know what next will be equinox tower which will be this you know 1 lakh square foot thing funny enough 30th december we inaugurated hey congratulations Sorry. no let me no. let me rephrase no 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 <laughs> we did the puja for the construction hey, of a 1 lakh that's cool that's awesome congratulations right, thank you right so well begun is half done isn't that what they say <laughs> so there we go absolutely yeah so my point is but letting people like sharing this with people with the right set of people 100% right, is i think important but if you start sharing enough at some point in time so i can't be like oh you know what i want to be the first person on mars i want to manifest that correct 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 not going to yeah, happen yeah, yeah. but hey i would like to spend an hour with konar shah little like where i am a little more possible 100% if it's 100%. A, like a 12th graduate guy and says i want to spend an hour with konar shah may not have the means so yeah, you know yeah. for him being hey maybe i can get a bike is more correct. Correct, correct. But again, like than... again, to just go huh. with that example, huh. right? Now, if you go to him huh. and tell him that the reason you are not getting this meeting with Kunal Shah is because you are not manifesting hard enough, that is that point. is very unfair to him, right? Absolutely. And that is Absolutely. my main problem is the way this word is thrown around, right? So, People really throw this word around almost like you know, oh, I manifested. You just clearly suck at this and are not as this thing at it. At which point I'm like, no. A lot of people who when I see them use that word, true, is what annoys me mm. is that it's used with a very, very purposeful and I think almost sort of sinister papering over of all the other privileges that also got you there, true. right? And I see that true. as somebody, and I say this as somebody, and you know this, right? You've grown up in South Bombay, <laughs> right? You know how many people. Talk how much it was just like okay, but you know, can we talk about daddy's business that paid for this, that allowed you to spend two years manifesting this, right? That allowed you to like True. you know, kaika manifestation. तेरे को जाके HDFC में काम करना पड़ता ना अगर ये नहीं होता तो like if you had to pay rent and if you had to do a hundred other things, you would have to, right? Absolutely. So I'm saying in that sense, and I just this is one thing that is very worrying to me just about our culture overall is that there's a lot of this sort of aspirational lingo being thrown around. and it's being used very heavily while ignoring a lot of other factors that go into it like this is i really get scared sometimes about the linkedinification <laughs> of our culture because sometimes i read those posts and i'm like there's something very backward that started to happen where like the cart has started leading the horse mm. where earlier you would do something mm. then after you did it you would process it and be like you know actually i think i have learned from this mm. now with linkedin it's become like instagram mm. where it's like you know on instagram you're like aaj photo lena chahiye kyunki kuch post karna hai in that same way you're like i have to post something hmm. so now you're almost torturing false learnings out of some basic thing you did today <laughs> just right? to post just to post right and True. the thing is the people who are following you are singing and being like bhai ye to maan hai matlab iske paas to crore rupaye hai matlab sahi what? bol raha hoga right but what they don't know is that no you've also just gotten hmm. trapped into this validation and what really annoys me all hmm. right and this is what breaks my brain about linkedin is hmm. there are so many posts hmm. by people hmm. whose language is that what i have learned hmm. is that you need to be resilient you need to be this thing but all that's disguising is that they are praising themselves what they are really saying is they want to say i want someone to call me resilient i want someone to call me cool i was the one who was there i was you replace all those use with i know I... in a linkedin post no the real picture actually comes out like if somebody on a browser extension where you gets replaced with i on linkedin no matlab bhai jo sabke poll khul jayenge na Like genuine. Now I'm going to go back to my Linden. <laughs> like, 
Because I'm just like, no, here's the thing. You hmm. built a business hmm. over 18 years, right? Today, if I have any questions hmm. about like building a business in say the food, this thing of India and etc. Hmm. all hmm. of that, hmm. you give 10,000 learnings to me on that, I'll be like, I accept this blindly. Because you know what? Here is sort of proof of history. But if I suddenly see you put up a post saying, you know what the problem with youngsters today? Be like, How you know? <laughs> right? Like in the same way that today I say, I can't give advice to comics who are starting out now. Because just the circumstances so of when I started out versus what they're so different. That who am I to even put myself in their shoes? Because man, I was just lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Right? It's not even about being like the best 10 out of 100. I just happened to be one of the only 10 who was doing it at that time. <laughs> Right? So today, when there's hundreds of them posting videos on the same day, on what basis am I going to go, you know, what ah, you need you... <laughs> is resilience. And you know, they'll be like, what do you know? You're 40 years old. You mean mutual fund. What do you know? So yeah. Got it. So uh, I'm going to now shift gears to something more personal. So sure. there are two things uh, that I know about you and I won't, I won't go a little deeper on that. Sure. One is your love for coffee. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about where that started. So it started in the lockdown. Okay. Bluntly, it started in the lockdown. Like, also, see, I've become 40 now. Hmm. All right. Like, how old are you? Sorry. 42. 42, right? So see, as somebody who is in their 40s, hmm. you know hmm. that every man comes to an age hmm. where he needs a specific hobby hmm. on which, and how do you, what is a hobby? Right. First question mm. is how do you define what is a, mm. and what is an adult hobby especially? Mm. I have come to the conclusion mm. that the true definition of a hobby is first of all, it's a present that you wanted as a child, which you didn't get. So you're giving it to yourself <laughs> no. now. The second thing is, mm. and this is very important. I want to look directly to the camera and say, mm. you're wondering, hey, what I'm pursuing it, is it a passion? Is it a hobby? Here's how to tell is it a hobby. Okay. If you spent lots of money but only got little better at it, then it's a hobby. <laughs> then it's an adult hobby. If you spend no money on it and you got better for it, that's not a hobby, guys. Sorry, that is talent. Okay? But for a hobby, to be a true adult hobby, like, for example, I knew coffee was a hobby when I spent 50,000 on a grinder and then wow. the coffee only got 2% better. <laughs> hobby. Like, this is true adult hobby. Like, this coffee tastes of burnt money. Like that is like an that's a secret sauce. <laughs> that is a secret sauce. Any adult who has also gotten into you know like every like you have everybody are adult friends they get into once like golf. Golf is this night. You just want an excuse to go buy shiny clubs, and then go for a long walk talking gossip with your friends, and you buy one extra equipment and your shot is still fuck all. Okay, <laughs> this is a fact. That's how you know it's hobby. That if you become good at it, it's talent. It's not hobby. It's not so this and every every adult. I feel comes mm. to this point in their mm. life of midlife crisis where mm. you have to pick one of these irritatingly specific, mm. like I call them dad hobbies. <laughs> All right. You have to pick them. And I've decided that my two are coffee and tennis. Mm. Okay. These are going to be my dad hobbies. Dad hobbies. Right. And nice. so coffee started in lockdown. Basically, mm. a friend of mine had a mocha pot. Mm. I saw him use it and mm. I was like, this is incredible. Mm. The, they just so it started with the smell. Right? Mm. Like, let's face it, one of the greatest smells in the world is, is a freshly fresh, brewed absolutely. like pot of coffee. Absolutely. Right? So it started there in the lockdown. You're just like, you need something to just feel a little good. Mm. All right? Then I started watching coffee videos on YouTube. And then I just got like a basic small hand grinder. And I got a mocha pot. And I started making it. Mm. And then again, I realized that, I can spend money on shiny things. Mm. 
and only get slightly better. Why Because not? again, let's face it, 90% of the joy of any task is the purchasing part. You know this, I know this, right? 100%. You're never more excited. Our, our crew knows this, all right? You're never more excited about being a DOP or behind the camera as you are on the day when a new lens is coming. All right, right, right. One Those second, when you ordered these. Are you ordered bhai, these? Are oh. you? That is to the day, right? Where it's like, then you're like, hey, now you have to call someone to record karne ke liye, right? So I've become that person. After I got that equipment, I'm like, oh, are, bhai, aajao, coffee ke liye. I'm like, bro, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Are, <laughs> no problem. So it started there. And then I just realized I enjoyed. And also again, yeah, 90s kids raised from me. So coffee is what? Nescafe and cold coffee. Hmm. Okay, this Up until this point. Then I'm like, okay, coffee may flavor bhi ho sakta hai. Okay, it may be taste bhi ho sakta hai. And then I was like, oh, and then um, I decided to cut out milk from my life. Mm. So that's when black coffee really became a thing. Like a thing. Mm. And now I'm at uh, the final stage of coffee addiction, which is called manual espresso machine. And yeah, so you come home, <laughs> I will literally pull a lever and serve you a shot of espresso. Nice. Like in a needlessly finicky, overpriced machine <laughs> that no human being ever needs to have. Um, so nice. it just, it just sort of started as a lockdown thing. And now it's just become something that me and a few friends sort of bond and get excited over. Like we'll be sharing coffees with each other and we'll be like, Oh, and I, I use those words that like, I just, I thought as you know, cask aged and oh, <laughs> use an anabolic fermentation. <laughs> All the things I used to make fun of wine people for, I now say with coffee, it's so sad. Um, but yeah, I, and that's where it started. And since then it's just, um, I really just enjoy, so there's this, again, if you want to use a douchey jargon word, mm. uh, it's called workflow. Mm. It's just the entire process of the making of the coffee from the grinding to the, you know, stirring mm. it and then, you know, making sure it's flat and tamped and the put in there. That you press and and the temperature it. control kettle to make sure that like, you know, you're putting the water in an exact 94. So I actually just enjoy and as somebody who has like big ADD brain, um, just the little ritual. Mm-hmm. Of making my cup of coffee is mm. as satisfying as drinking. I enjoy it. It's my five minutes in the morning mm. where I really sort of center myself nice. around that ritual. I've become that guy. I carry my Aeropress with me on the plane. I'm making coffee on the plane. Okay. So like the, the flight crew will come and they'll be like, sir, would you like coffee? I'd be like, no. no. <laughs> Hot water only. <laughs> That's all I need from you. Everything else I'll do. So you actually take out an Aeropress and you make Yeah, I take out an Aeropress. I'm sitting, I'm grinding. I'm doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> I once at security I had to explain to a guy that I'm carrying a coffee grinder huh. in my hand. He's like, what for? And then I'm showing him videos on YouTube. Like, see, this is the baratsa. Flight bed. And he's like, flight pe ye. I'm like, they was like, I'm like, I'm like, Kolkata jana hai, 3 ghandi ki flight hai. Sir, time to baut hai. To ho jayega. And yeah, so that that's my, are you a coffee person? I am a coffee person. Not to this level yet. You gotta come home for coffee. I will, I will get there soon. I do watch the the James Hoffman videos on YouTube. <laughs> the Damn. slow coffee waking and, you know, sitting by the... Yeah, so yeah. those those videos are... I feel fantastic. like James Hoffman is like the great sort of underspoken about man crush <laughs> of, of all dudes over 35. <laughs> and, okay, the next one is cats. Yes. How many cats do you have? I have two cats. Two both cats. were rescued from the road. Uh, are they also pandemic babies? Or? They are not pandemic okay, babies. Pandemic. They are like... They, they're like 10 years old now. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, my huh. Literally. So, um, how did you get into cats? Was it just a... 
thing or you saw so, a cat and you're like I'm only No, gonna... literally. So Arya, my first cat actually, hmm. um my partner at the time, she just picked her up. We we were at a friend's wedding. Hmm. And uh it started raining and we were all sort of standing under one awning and hmm. suddenly on the lawn from under one of the dinner tables we see this like little wet thing crawl out and yeah my partner just sort of picked her up and she like got take her home and i was like i don't i don't know if i want to keep cat at home mm. like i was because i was a dog person at that point mm. i still i love dogs mm. and cats mm. but i was a full dog person at that point and i was like i don't know if like you know and she like i can't keep her like at my place cuz mm. i already have animals mm. so it'll be crazy just for a couple of nights mm. keep her I promise I will find her a home. Hmm. Said okay. This cat comes home with me. First day she eats like a cartoon cat, literally. Like she's not seen food for so long. She eats to the point where, like, she literally. Have you seen Tom and Jerry? Like sometimes when he swallows that bowling ball, yeah. he's just round with a cat face. So she became like that. Okay, she was just a head attached to this gigantic distended because she just she'd seen food for the first time in weeks and she's just going. And at one point, I'm like, literally, I'm calling my partner. I'm like, ये फटने वाली है, ठीक है? Like literally, लगा, I'm like, ये फटने वाली है. This cat is going to explode in my house. And now for 24 hours, the most important part, I was just following this cat around, wondering when is she going to poop? Because I'm like scared of this. I'm like, if this where cat doesn't, where and when? when? Because I'm like, if this cat doesn't go soon, like bad things are going to happen. Okay. And then I remember my friends were over. We were watching football one that night. and we're watching we're watching we're watching and aadha aap and i've told them this whole story okay so half investment is in the football game half investment all of us <laughs> is watching this cat when and i swear to god the loudest cheer of the night was not when the goal was scored okay it was when she crawled into the litter box okay huh. all of us were literally like <laughs> she's going to survive oh my god amazing 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 and then she went and she pooped and then she came and she climbed and she came here she slept on my neck Okay, directly mm. she slept on my neck, and mm. like that she slept every night mm. for three days. Mm. And then after three days, my partner came and said, "Hey, I think I found someone mm. who might want to foster mm. her." And I was like, "Kon le jayega mere beti ko?" Oh. Said, kon, kon hai, kon hai. You and what army are going to take <laughs> nah. my daughter from me? And that's what happened. And the second one just arrived six months later. Again, found him under a car, just picked, picked up him and... up, took him, huh. looking for a foster home, looking for a foster home. Bus again. Right. That done. So yeah, I got these two cartoons like for a decade. Love it. Yeah. But th- that one incident turned me from a dog person to a cat person. I'm still a both person, Achoo. but the thing is, I live alone, so ah. I can't have a dog because like dogs need constant care. I live alone yeah. and I travel, ah. so that's not a thing. So I would, I actually really at some point in my life would like to have both. Like I would love to have two dogs, two cats. I think that would be amazing. Like, <laughs> but you can't do that in a flat in Mumbai because um, there's there's only so much Allegra in the world. Uh, you need a space <laughs> with big windows and. So maybe if I move to like some Hableshwar Goa type place <laughs> then you in have... future, then like yeah, happily. Brilliant. But yeah, uh, when you did your first uh, stand up, right? Were you scared? Like, was it was it a scary experience the first time you go in front of a crowd? It's scary Or... today also. That's I'm right. not even joking. It's scary today also. Yeah. Because the thing is, right? You can think you're a pro, etc., whatever. Uh, uh. But it's a new two hundred people every single time. Ah. Uh. Right. there is essentially a half of your act that you cannot factor in until you get on stage right and it could be a million things it could be from man the traffic to get to this venue was bad so they're going to be pissed off to you know there was some ticketing issue to but Rain, yeah the first time whatever, yeah. the first time i was terrified like absolutely terrified because it was just that idea of like in school i used to do a lot of public speaking mm. debating etc mm. but i think mm. this was the first time 
in a long time that I was going up in front of an audience and where they would judge my work directly. So I was, yeah, I, I think I still like, I'm thinking about it right now and I can remember that walk to the stage very carefully, like mm. very, very properly. Like I still remember the shorts I was wearing. I remember the t-shirt I was wearing. <laughs> I remember the AC temperature on my skin. Nice. Um, yeah, absolutely. There it's was definitely etched in your memory. Etched in my memory because also there was terror followed by, I did the first joke, mm. right? And luckily that first joke worked. Huh. So I think the thing that really sealed my fate in this profession mm. was that mm. first joke mm. because see the crowd was there to see Veer because mm. it was Veer's open mic and he was going to be performing so there were like 200 people there nice okay and I made that joke and that was the first time I'd heard 200 people laugh and in those blue frog acoustics the laugh just came towards me like a wave and I was like damn this is this feels good like I said right heady shit <laughs> <laughs> and then like, yeah this feels good and how was how did your fa- at what point did you decide that I want to be a full time comedian and how was the family about the family was chill because I okay. kept my day job okay. until so What was your day job? Sorry, I didn't know. Times Now. I worked with Times Now. Oh, you actually now. worked with Times, Times Now? I thought it was I a did. joke you said. No, like, no, no. Oh, no, no. I, I actually, I worked with Times Now for a year and a half. I was on their, uh, I was on their features desk. Okay. I was an auto journalist. I used to cover the auto sector. Nice. I was, I was there when the Nano launched. Like, literally. Yeah. So, one, one of like, the favorite things that I did for them is I went to Tata and I like drove the Nano like, nice. a couple of weeks before That's very it cool. came out. And it was really fun. Um, but yeah, I worked there for about a year and a half mm. and I started working sort of on the weekends with Veer at the time and, you know, he was starting weird ass and mm. he was doing all of those things. So mm. at that point started working, uh, with him and, you know, then sort of Tanmay also did open mics, Ashish did open mics. So we were all sort of working together doing that. Then I started freelance writing because Tanmay also had a freelance writing job on the side. I started writing with him and eventually when there was a sort of six to seven month period, where all of that paid as much as or just a little above my salary. Nice. That's when I went to my parents and I'm like, hey, I think like the receipts on this are now sort of indicating that this is stable enough or at least as stable or unstable as like working in television news Mm -hmm. in terms of pay scales to Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And then there's always the second way, like I've always said, if you need to convince an Indian family about something, and this is the most important hack Mm -hmm. I can teach you. If you need to convince, if you have a Desi family, you need to convince them about something. There is only one real way to end all conversation is, get your name in the paper. (laughs) Get your name in a newspaper. Basically, until when you get to a point Hmm. where there's one grandparent or aunt or uncle that can show you off to the other branches of the family, they'll be like, drugs, bitch, 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 ganja, number, but, but, Escobar, second place, number one. (laughs) appear in the papers I get interviewed once or twice like literally like my grandmother she saw in the paper and she's like legitimate profession legitimate profession he is in the paper it's mm. not the matrimonial page not the crime page success success done <laughs> finished crime IIT or this <laughs> yeah crime so, came later crime came later <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody wants to get into the profession now mm-hmm. What kind of characteristics should the person have? Thick skin, for one. Mm. Um, The ability to come back to a piece of work multiple times and accept its flaws. Mm. Hugely important Mm. because a lot of your work will be just getting up on stage with the same thing again and again and again. 
and seeing it go from terrible response to good response. Uh, also, ego in the right place, but the ability to suspend ego in the right place. Because the most important thing that they sort of, that I think all of us in different ways have been taught in comedy is that sometimes you have to kill your darlings, which is that there may be a joke that you love, but if the audience is just not clicking, you can't have an ego about it. You can't brute force it. You just have to be like, okay, I will put this away for now. And if there's another angle into this, I'll do it. Um, but mostly just a lot of, the other thing I'd advise them to have is either some runway or some savings. Because it can take a while. Because the problem is all everybody sees is that one person who goes viral immediately. Mm. Right? But it's exactly like acting or any other performing art. Every one that you see that's gone there, there's like the hundred that are not going to make it. So in fact, I would say that start it from a hobby perspective. Mm. Where don't quit your day job unless you like, you know, you like had shares in your startup that you sold for like millions and you're chilling. Don't quit your day job. Like do this. The good thing is most open mics are in the evening. There are shows on weekends, etc. So try and sort of do that first. Then when you feel like there's a certain amount of stability or you feel like, okay, this can be a profession. If you're young, you know, there's companies you can either intern with or take junior positions with, then please go for it. And also please understand that comedy is more than stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. especially in 2023, right? Like the, like do you, you don't only have to think of it in terms of stand-up. Do you want to make reels? Do you want to make memes? Do you want to make sketches? Do you want to, comedy can mean so many things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Like today, there's what a Bhuvan mom does and what a Veerdas does are two completely opposite things. Both are comedy, right? At the end of the day, both are comedy. Like today, what a Johnny Lever does and what an Ashish Chanchdani does, completely different thing. Both are comedy, right? Both nice. are like online comedy. Both nice. are so, again, right? So uh, what field do you want to get into? Like, for example, I know people who make millions making like comedic reels, sketches, mm. etc., whatever, mm. who will probably like fall flat on their face on stand-up. And I also know millions of people who are like the most consummate stand-up comedians that I know, but would never be able to do the reeling, this thing, whatever life. So I would say A, try. B, this is very important, like build and control your own distribution, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can be this thing, but the fact is social media matters. The fact is nobody is going to be a bigger cheerleader for you than you, okay? And if today you own and control a little bit of your own distribution, which by the way is just remember one of the craziest innovations of all time, Mm. okay? Like for for my money, there's basically, there's the, the, you know, the press, the printing press, where anybody just, there was a sort of democracy of publishing that happened mm-hmm. and people need to do like the YouTube and social media world where anyone can self-publish mm. without thinking twice, right? Mm. It's the single greatest change in information access, I think in the last 150 years mm-hmm. where there was a time where with the printing press, you think anyone could consume. Mm. But the idea that anyone can publish, right? And today, if you see like with YouTube, Instagram, all of those things, a single person using OBS... And like a couple of freelance graphic people mm. can essentially do the same quality of work that it took an entire TV station to do 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. there are things that you would need an entire PCR, MCR, all of those <laughs> things for a desk team. Today, two people and an OBS. Essentially, one computer, two screens, one for your stream, one for OBS and a couple of YouTube tutorials. And you are essentially a broadcaster, Right? Like, that's crazy. The idea, so A, tend it. But if you tend to it, you could have, like, today, like, it's actually kind of interesting, right? Like, Netflix revealed Mm. it's for the first time, year-end, what statistics. If you can get a granular look at that data, please go ahead and do it. You'll be shattered at, like, there are probably YouTube channels in this country that have 15x the views. 
that some of that stuff on Netflix got. Okay, so the power that you have, like today, and I always say this to young comics, hmm. and this is today whether it's a Tanmay, whether it's an Ashish Chanchlani, whether it's a Bhuvan Bam, whether it's any of those things, hmm. when if you're a creator, hmm. you are a direct competition not just to other comics, but you are a direct competitor to Netflix, to Prime, to Hotstar. If they spend ten, like today, for example, if somebody spent fifteen minutes watching a Tanmay reacts video that has the four of us, that's fifteen minutes they didn't spend on Netflix. That's fifteen <laughs> minutes they didn't spend. It's not just fifteen minutes they didn't spend watching another comic. Mm. That's fifteen minutes of attention you, as a single person, took away from a goddamn multi-billion-dollar company. <laughs> All right, when has that sort of power ever existed in the content creation business mm-hmm. before? Mm-hmm. Right way, you can just be a force on your own. Like, can you imagine somebody like a PewDiePie, mm. like even twenty years ago, mm. right? No where just like I am the platform, mm. right? Is that I am the platform, and you will come to me. So that's but like a Mr. Beast, right? It's For insane. example, mm. right? There was a time where again, fifteen years ago, only person on earth who could do this was Oprah Winfrey. Right, closest literally, yeah. right. Closest person on earth who could be like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Oprah Winfrey with the power of the entire network behind her, right? Correct. But today, here's this guy who's like, I'm just gonna wake up and change lives for content. Mm-hmm. End mm-hmm. of story. And he does it. I'll give away a hundred playstations. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll pay off somebody's mortgage and do that. And the scale, like the, the ability to scale as a single person, is crazy. So if somebody's starting out, whether it's in comedy or in content, mm-hmm. is hundred percent a resilience, thick mm-hmm. skin, and mm-hmm. b just tend to all your sort of distribution channels mm. like like they your garden that matters really with that's the main thing and so always also diversify like don't don't need to spend all your time on youtube like no no 100% always every time a new platform comes at mm. least try it mm. you might not find stickiness on it you mm. might not enjoy it like mm. for example i didn't enjoy clubhouse mm. like oh, yeah, nothing but i realized this is going to be a like a phenomenon but at least go there and see what's happening Right, because I've seen this before. Right, like I've seen this when we were starting out on YouTube. All right, there were a bunch of comics who were like, "No, no, you know, we are purists. We only want to do stand up. What is this social media? What is this reel? What is this etc." We are purists. Now, five, eight years later, they're like, "Shit, other people have built up hundreds of thousands of followers on these platforms, mm. and we have to start now zero. from behind at zero versus if we started earlier." Like I will hundred percent say this. Like my career, if it's on in any way today, it's got nothing to do with talent. It's just versatility in terms of being able to move from platform to platform. All right, because just in my time, I have seen us go from, and this is just the time I've had a comedy career. Mm. Mm. All right, first iteration of Twitter, one forty characters, pure text jokes, mm. to two eighty character Twitter, mm. to Facebook posts, mm. which were again pure text posts. Mm. to youtube mm. which was just long form youtube videos mm. to facebook video mm. to instagram which was photo only to instagram stories which mm. became a new storytelling format to instagram videos which became a new storytelling format to tiktok to snapchat to reels which suddenly became about how much content can you squeeze into a minute all of this has happened in a decade of my career all right whereas 30 years ago if you got into television you knew that the technology and this thing going to be that only true right um, like and the thing is you just have to be aware of the fact that tomorrow mm. like and this it keeps me up at night but also why you have to be on your toes is mm. tomorrow morning mark zuckerberg can wake up and make one tweak in his algorithm and you're gone true okay so gone literally like you everything you have today could be gone tomorrow you can turn it off like a tap all right <laughs> so you best have like Multiple. 50 options <laughs> like ready to deploy at any point in time like you can't It's like hundred percent generalist over specialist, like in this 
in the performing arts these days for sure or multi specialty so if you had not pursued comedy hmm. what do you think you'd be doing now please don't say times now oh man that's a tough one i think i'd like to think that in some way shape or form i'd still be in the creative field mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh, again like i i don't think that's a testament to my talent or anything it's just that mereko aur kuch aata nahi hai ंग <laughs> <laughs> Or I think the only other thing I could do is sales because uh, silver tongue person like in life, what other choices there, right? <laughs> I could be a lawyer, but that's too much work. Like, it's too much work. So yeah. So Rohan, I think you've been on a such an amazing journey, and thank you for taking out the time and you know coming and talking about this. Uh, I have, I'll be honest, I've never interviewed a comedian. I I've never known a comedian. You're the first comedian I know, and I'm hoping to know a lot more because I think it is the the insights that you get. from speaking to somebody who understands how to make another person laugh and i think in kunal shah i think shared this like he's like you know what that people in my team who are comedians or artists because they understand something about the human condition that other people don't and that insight can be invaluable in business and for me personally one of the main reasons i do podcasts is not distribution not anything else i get to learn from people like 100%. you like i you know, learn so much from this which i can apply in my life uh, traits how do you speak how can you make light of a situation how when something goes wrong you know instead of like oh my god this went wrong you I can actually you know i think you've touched upon something important because it goes both ways mm. i think in general everybody should always be meeting people outside their fields right because it's very easy to get locked into one thing because i've seen this in comedy also right if it's comedians just hang out with comedians no mm. things can just become toxic green room banter etc whatever mm. like it's as important for me today as because today man somebody who runs like a food lab this thing is as like chalk to my cheese right but again it's a perspective on sort of life mm. regulation you're, you're literally dealing with unlike me you're dealing with something that man someone puts the wrong thing in their mouth they'll die <laughs> right i always say words can't kill but you know someone puts the wrong it's that degree so you're operating at a level of sort of precision and like you're dealing with things on a molecular freaking level right which again is just something to me the learning from that is that man devil in the details right like just testing detailing like being calm in the face of all of those things right the first time i'm like holy shit just perspective i've not had before and right? um, so i think one big thing i learned from you is whenever the situation is tough right or like don't shy from tough situations mm. two even if something goes a little wrong i think it's fine three i think you you did mention that hey the first joke went well that's why it, you know it happened i i my my last question actually was going to be if that didn't go well hmm. what would have happened would it let's say your first joke is the one that just kit like bomb like nobody laughed would you have still continued you know i don't know because i'll tell you this other hmm. the, the other part hmm. of this open mic story hmm. Hmm. is that i was the seventh person going up on that lineup that night oh wow okay 7 of 10 okay 7 <laughs> of 10 and the and we only had 2 minutes each on stage hmm. so 120 seconds hmm. and what you're usually like you know arrogant it's like 120 nothing then me to mera naam jayega literally right but the first five people that went up on that stage okay they didn't get any laughs and i'm not saying that to be unkind just hmm. genuinely for whatever hmm. reason it didn't work and when i heard that silence 
Dude, again, trust me, mm-hmm. you have no idea how long 120 seconds Six, is, is until you are caught with 300 people staring at you. And nobody is responding in the way that you want them to respond, okay? There were times where I was like, surely this person's two minutes are up. Can <laughs> someone just ring the bell yeah, and yeah. put them genuinely like, heart is going out to them. Not Just put them out of their misery. They look uncomfortable as hell up there, right? So that's pure, t- so I don't know. Right? Because I got very lucky that I got that laugh mm. or whatever. Mm. But man, because I've had shows after mm. where I've not gotten laughs, mm. where I've this thing. But if that had been my first experience, dude, I don't know, man. Because it's like, it's tough. It's How many of those, that's what five, six guys are still in comedy? Dude, actually, you know what? A lot of them. Like okay. in the sense, a lot of them are still in comedy. A lot of them. Actually, from those five, yeah. I would say about from those five, two are still in comedy. That's but I think it's of... just, this is a great place to mention in general that the, that we as amateur nights are responsible for a lot of comics, okay? I think it was Varun Grover's first stage. It was Kunal Rao's first stage. It was Tanmay's first stage. My first stage. Ashish's first stage. Oh, wow. Uh, Aditi Mittal's first stage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like in, in the overall sort of history of where this particular wow. urban adult stand-up comedy came from, that amateur night was like one, that was the big bang in a way. Wow. Yeah. I did not know we yeah, had yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of... So, you a... gotta, so yeah, exactly. So there's one which is put respect on his name for the comedy that he does, but also respect on his name for just, you know, that ham night. Huge. So there's one question that I missed asking you. Who's the one person in comedy that you look up to? I think I know the name, but maybe not. Well, I mean, obviously, like in the like people like hmm. Veer, you look at you look hmm. at their work ethic. Like just on our local hmm. people, right? you hmm. look at somebody like Veer's work ethic. You look at again just Tanmay's sharpness. Uh, but if I had to, in terms of overall, hmm. like one person that I look up to, that's hard. That's hard. It's because again, like you said, right? You meet so many different people and you learn so many little, little things from them. Exactly. Right? And I've learned very, like, you know, you don't make any one person your hero. <laughs> you don't true. make any one true, person true, your true, hero. True. Because that's very dangerous. I will say this though. Hmm. Um, in I think recent memory, if there's one person that I do admire, I would have to say Chris Rock just for the way he handled the situation that day. Nice. You know, just as I say, as a comedian, you can be in a lot of awkward positions. You can be, but I don't think there is historically ever been a more public sort of essentially for want of a better word this is the worst heckle in history right <laughs> if a comedian's ultimate this thing is a heckler this is the no. worst heckle in his i think second was the only heckle like yeah worst heckle worst in history heckle actually well, i was gonna say yeah second was the other one would be like john wilkes booth and abraham lincoln but the <laughs> roles were reversed there the roles were reversed there so it doesn't really count um, but yeah, worst heckle in history. And I feel like there were a million ways he could have responded to it. But I think he just did it with a certain amount of dignity, fortitude. I think he really like, like, let me put it this way. He was way calmer about it than I would have been if I had been in his position. And I mean that not in terms of whether he gone back and hit him or just hmm. being able to keep his composure and get through the segment and do that. So I think just in terms of learning as a performer, 100%, crazy, crazy respect. That's to him. brilliant. Because for a second when I saw that, I thought it was a part of the... Same. Like a a part of I wondered, the what is going on here? I'm like, oh, it's part of the set. I'm like, once yeah. it, that slap looked quite real. I mean, it wasn't like yeah, a... Yeah, a hard one. Yeah, and I was like, once it... What? Then I'm like, once it, did he actually slap the guy yeah. on live? Yeah. Like, wow, that was, that was insane. That was right? crazy, right? And for a and performer to sort of do that and then deal with that and then still sort of keep going, I had respect. Cool. 
anyway, thank you so much for taking out the time, Rohan, and coming over. Uh, it was an amazing session. I got, I don't think I've laughed so hard in a long time in podcasts. Hell so, yes. I'm uh, happy to hear that. That's the job. <laughs> That's, the, That's job. the job. That's the That's job. That's the job. And uh, I have, I've not been to as many uh, stand-up nights as I would like to. But anytime I go next, I'm definitely going to make it to yours first because I really want to see you on stage. No, no, you please. And actually to anybody watching, again, not mine, not anything. If there's a comedy show happening mm. within a couple of kilometers of your house, uh, especially if you live in a big city like Mumbai, Delhi, mm. Bangalore, chances are that there's comedy happening near your home a uh, couple of kilometers away. Uh, whoever's on, all right? I, I promise you if it's a decent venue and it's a decent lineup, You'll have a great evening. This country has so many good up and coming. I'm telling you, don't come for my show also. It's okay, don't come. Don't, it's okay. All right, I'll have 100 comics better than me to watch. But just go because I'm telling you, there's a ton of and genuinely just diverse local talent. All right, like we are in a place like we're at the end of the beginning and we're mm. coming to this new phase. Mm. We're just going to see crazy diversity of local voices. And I promise you, there's acts you can watch at Habitat, like on a Wednesday night or, you know, like mm. that Spades Comedy Club mm. or that comedy club um, or any of these places on a Wednesday night or a Saturday night mm. that for my money, honestly, blow some of the international acts I've seen like out of nice. the water, nice. like straight up. So, and it's not even like, oh, go support your locals. See, I'm not saying that. Mm. I'm saying go, you'll have a great time. It's not an act of support. Mm. Maza aega, I promise you this. <laughs> So please just go. So the last time I got, I remember this, but I, uh, the next one, I definitely want to see you on stage. I've seen you on Done. TV, but I definitely want to see you on stage. And Done. I will be going for a lot more comedy nights than I would want. You know, please. So, thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. And please, let's hang outside of podcast situations. <laughs> 100%. Also. 100%. Next. 100%.